Hi everybody, I'm Kale Kettle. Welcome to this week's The Book Chain Project. This week, Andrina Cordani interviews Sarah and Jukes, author of The World Between Us. It's her second novel, Out With Penguin, and it's a fantastic book that covers subjects with social media, virtual reality, and also invisible illness, so there's a trigger warning there. It's a great chat. They talk about, as well, writing from different perspectives and uh, sometimes how your characters can take over and lead you places where you don't expect. So I hope you stick around for the whole of the interview. I will see you at the end. Oh, also, there is a spoiler warning. Hello, welcome to the Book Chain Group again. And uh, it's Andrina Cordani here talking to Sarah and Dukes. Um, you may have seen us on Instagram Live um, a couple of days ago, but unfortunately, someone um, didn't quite record it properly. And now um, Sarah is being kind enough to talk to me again. So thank you so much, Sarah. Oh, um, no. Well, it gives us an opportunity to do it again. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> to rehearse your, uh, rehearse your interview skills a bit more. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for, uh, for being understanding. Awesome. Um, so yes, welcome to the Bookchain Project, um, and if you could start by telling us a bit more about yourself and your book, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, so um, hello, uh, so uh, my name is Sarah Ann Dukes, and I go by Sarah because it's just a bit easier than the, the Ann side of things. Um, I've been writing since I was 16 years old, um, but the, the world between, well, outside I would just say was my first book that I got published. Um, which is, um, it came out in 2019 with Penguin and it's about a girl who's trapped in a room and finds a hole in the wall and realises that there's a whole world outside um, which is a nice easy pitch <laughs> which always helps um, for things like that um, and then The World Between Us came out uh, just, uh, just last week in, in March um, and it will be out in uh, four other languages at the moment which is exciting and um, wow. the next couple of years so that that's cool and um, and this one is uh it's about a teenage girl who's uh, bed bound by a chronic illness mm -hmm. and he explores the world outside via a series of um kind of live stream cameras um, and when she's then introduced to a new streamer then alice must fight to uncover his secrets as well whilst um trying to cover her own and that is the kind of much longer pitch for the world of us reading. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, uh, I mean, it's a really moving story and um, very much kind of set in the real world. Um, I think, uh, so when I was talking to Dave Cousins last week, we were talking about ideas floating around in their heads all the time and like, what was it about this one that made you have to write it? Yeah, so I was, it, it's kind of been floating around in my head for a little while and that's because the kind of like the, the real life experience that, that kind of drove the, the kind of chronic illness side of it. Um, and, but it was also, we were watching a documentary um, called Unrest. Uh, it used to be on Netflix, I don't think it is anymore. Um, but it's a really powerful documentary about a, a journalist who has ME and she's bedbound for most of the documentary and she reaches out to people who uh, are also going through um, a kind of similar thing with ME and kind of chronic illness through the power of the internet just like they're doing right now um, and that, you know that's that's really something that we've all learned how to do all over again properly in lockdown um, but this would be watched this pre-lockdown and I was really inspired by that 
and specifically a scene in it where she's um, watching someone, I suppose, going on a walk at sunrise or sunset, and yeah. she was walking with them um, in their footsteps. And I was just so like, it was just like an instant kind of little flash of an idea. And I was like, what the wonderful thing about books is that it allows you to step into somebody else's shoes and see the world through their eyes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what if we could do that with live streaming? You know, you, you definitely can through through platforms such as Twitch. Uh, my, my partner do that all the time. We watch people like hitchhike around Japan live and stuff like that. It's really cool. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of, was based very much on that really, that kind of stepping into someone's shoes when, when you can't step into your own shoes because you're, you know, you're, your bed bound or house yeah. bound or, or whatever so yeah I mean the book actually it sort of that is the theme of the book it's also got an immersive quality of its own because you switch perspectives on the same page which makes it even more kind of powerful you know this sort of um, feeling like you're sitting on their shoulders or you're strapped to, strapped to their chests um, so the characters are called Alice and Rowan aren't they and uh, mm. Alice obviously the one with the illness and then Rowan is, is one of her streamcast friends or um, she's never met him but she's met him through through streamcast um, and you when they're sort of um, streamcasting you sort of switch their perspectives on the same page and I was wondering kind of was that an easy thing to achieve because we see it in chapters but we don't really see it on the same page normally yeah, and actually just to kind of, I've, I've got a random page here so you can kind of see, uh, for anyone who has read the book, you can kind of see the, the different alignment of um, these chapters. Yeah. So we've gone from kind of, um, I went to prose and uh, kind of the usual kind of left alignment prose for Alice because she's the main uh, perspective throughout the book. And then Rowan, when he is with her, when they're streaming together, he's um, verse and italics and right aligned. So hopefully you can see the, the difference. Yeah. And, you know, like I love doing weird stuff in books. Like that, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that really excites me. Like yeah, how we, yeah, like have we pushed the boundaries of words and formatting and, you know, all that stuff. And mm -hmm. um, so I was really, I wanted to, I wanted to combine them in the page because they're combined together through this stream that, that you know, they're both seeing the same things. And it is yeah. a novel, specifically, it's about perception. So yeah. as Alice looks out onto a beach and sees wonderful things, Rowan sees like, you know, like a nappy that's fallen out of the bin. <laughs> and yeah. it very much is that thing. It. Like, yeah, it's very much like, one person can see something and someone else can see something so different according to their experiences. Um, yeah. So luckily I pitched this to my editor over a lunch and I was like, there's no way she's going to say yes to this. <laughs> like, this is crazy. But yeah. no, she was really good and she's like, yeah, no, seems cool. Yeah, write it and we'll see what happens. So um, that's the only way to find out if something works sometimes, isn't it? Just by writing with it and playing with it. So did you initially, did you always want to do the left and right or did you have different kind of formats to play around with different formats first? It kind of came out like that actually, the left, right um, and the, the italics. We talked about like maybe doing different fonts or something, but yeah. it's just easier when it's italics. Everyone knows where they stand. It's easier with ebooks as well. <laughs> so it's just... Yeah, um, 
Yeah, so hopefully people don't find it too confusing. I think the feedback so far is that it, it generally people get like first of all it's like what is going on, um, yeah. and then it's like okay, no, I get, I get this. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a very. I mean, you you barely notice it doesn't jar at all once you start. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, that's the deal, and you just kind of get on with it. I think people are very adaptable, um, especially YA readers. I think they're mm. really open to kind of new formats and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, in the book, both of your characters are keeping secrets from each other. Um, and obviously Alice is um, hiding the tu- her illness from, um, from Rowan and also from, from her friends. Um, but Rowan's secret obviously is, uh, is, is uh, Rowan has a secret too. And, and I was wondering if you knew what that secret was right at the beginning and how it fitted in with, with the story as a whole. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a kind of a couple of different answers to that, really. I suppose like the, the, the his secret itself um, was was there from the beginning, and that's because I'm really interested in kind of character mirroring. Um, so when you have a theme in a novel, you can kind of um, explore it from different perspectives, in exactly the same way as I use the that weird typesetting to explore the section. It's the same yeah. thing with kind of duality. So yeah. the theme there being um, disability and caring. Um, and so from Alice's perspective, she's the one that needs to be cared for. And from Rowan's perspective, he is the carer for his, um, yeah. for his younger brother. So yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things where that was, that was really important, that kind of mirroring and duality. But then on the other side of things, like um, Rowan, <laughs> Rowan was a completely different person when when I first wrote him. He was a proper bad boy. He did some like bad things. And the only thing that kind of came over from that was his kind of street art, which isn't really that, that bad. But yeah, he was a proper bad boy. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, which you know, when you when you're in the situation he's in, then uh, yeah, you can understand how he would do those things, but also you yeah, it's just a bit. Perfect. A bit cliche, isn't it? So I stopped. I was yeah. like, "Oh God, such a cliche." That's that's really. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about boys. Well, you were doing, doing wrong by Rowan making him do these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's better than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how yeah. you get attached to people, and and suddenly well, the thing we wanted them to do, they won't do it anymore. Yeah, do you find that with your characters as well? Well, yeah, I had this thing with uh, with like. You, you do you, you hear people talk about characters taking over and like switching yeah. around themselves themselves at the end of the girl who so the girl who's about um uh two girls leah who's traumatized um and fantasizes about revenge and then there's ellie who's just very very you know she's just very happy with her life and she goes out partying and she likes to make youtube videos and you know she wants to be famous and she wants to have fun and that's um but she's also um so there's this one point when they go to a party together um, and Leah is trying to track down um, somebody that she wants to hurt very badly and um, Ellie is trying to keep an eye on her because she knows that Leah's unstable, she doesn't know what she wants to do but unfortunately Ellie is at a party and gets slightly carried away with the fact that she's at a party <laughs> and loses track of her and at the time I wrote the chapter I, I didn't really know, I knew that um, Leah was going to have to be alone at the end of the party but I didn't really know how it was going to happen and all of a sudden you know Ellie just started dancing on the sofas <laughs> it's like okay oh, that's <laughs> funny yeah um, so yeah that's how that's gonna happen <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's funny how your brain would just, you, you know, the character just kind of comes to life and just be like, why are you doing that? It kind of works. <laughs> I know, but there was part of the, uh, the sensible part of the thing is, you don't want to do that. You've got to keep an eye on Leo. And I thought, well, actually, that's kind of what Ellie would do. She would, uh, you know, yeah. uh, go for it and then sort of uh, keep half an eye on her. And then Leo obviously disappears. Um, and at the end of the chapter, they've both been separated. Yeah. Um, yeah, I should have put the warning at the beginning that there might be spoilers in this conversation. <laughs> anyone watching this who has had this, these, well, they haven't been spoiled for you because there's still a lot to read. <laughs> we'll try um, about not to ruin endings. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Butler did it. <laughs> so my husband always says whenever I talk to him about, you know, any book that I'm reading, he just always looks at me and goes, oh, the Butler did it. The Butler never did it. <laughs> I don't think there's any, certainly not any Agatha Christie books where the Butler did it. No, no, no. This is a public service announcement from the Avalonia Zone. Remember, the undying cannot age past early adulthood, so stay vigilant around young citizens. Report suspicious undying activity on your Report You app. Without the ability to die from old age, unregistered undying are unemployed undying and a drain on our society. For more information, the book The Undying Tower by Melissa Welliver is out October 2021. The Avalonia Zone, keeping the undying where they belong. So um, back to Alice, um, we're talking about her illness. Um, it's kind of, it's never really defined. It's never really diagnosed. Um, she's got a mishmash of horrendously uh, debilitating symptoms that she has to deal with and it's different from one day to the next. Um, and there's a lot of scepticism or she senses scepticism from the medical profession um, and it's very frustrating for her. I was just wondering whether that was deliberate, whether it was something that you did on purpose, not defining it. Yeah, it completely is. Um, and there, there's actually a, a few different reasons for that. Um, the main one being that um, these, these illnesses, by their nature, are often quite undefinable. And so they often go by various different names. Like, for example, um, you might have heard of like the long COVID thing that's come out at the moment. Mm. That's actually you know it's long covid can also be known as post-viral fatigue which yeah. can also be known as chronic fatigue syndrome or chronic fatigue which can also be known as ME. so there's lots of different and, and there's so little known about these types of illnesses that they can often manifest in lots of different things as well so you know people have read the world between us and related to it um, when they have things like fibromyalgia or lupus or um you know even ms actually and even autism someone was saying so mm. there's there's i didn't want to label it because although labels can be extremely helpful um they can also be like the, the other side of it is that they can um restrict certain um medical care and they can be quite um restrictive in their nature as well yeah. so some people don't like being held down to it so what i wanted to do really is just show a realistic depiction of what it is like to have a kind of chronic fatigue-esque um, illness yeah. uh, which could have been manifest through any number of different illnesses if you wanted yeah. to try and define it uh, and just kind of show what show what that looks like um, but without labeling it so that people don't read it and go this must be what it looks like to have this yeah. when actually for example for ME 
someone with any can be bedbound like Alex or like my partner can be able to work um one to two days a week on good weeks so yeah. that's that's the kind of difference there in ME is that it can be so many things <laughs> yeah so that, that, I, have, I have a friend who can who can you know function um for a long time and then it just comes back so you know she yeah. she was over a matter of months and then and then all of a sudden it'll swoop back on and in on her and and that's it and it's ride the storm. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, and it's for everybody. It's different for everyone. Like some people will will hear that and go, "Well, that's that's just not. It never goes away for me. It's there all the time." Um, and then just you know, for other people, like um, kind of our our experience here is that it will uh, be there for a number of years kind of shrink back a little bit for, for kind of six, five, six, seven years and then come back as a surprise um, yeah. in a very bad way later on. Um, so I think so little is known about it and it, it's, yeah, it's best just not to define it in that way, in, in a literature form anyway. Um, and more work needs to be done from the medical perspective and the research to make sure that these things are being properly looked at and hopefully with the long COVID and how many people are suffering from this now, yeah. Um, then hopefully that's you know that's more research, more money going into these things, and hopefully then being able to find the cure for people like Alice who you know might yeah. might be looking for a, a way out of their room. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I mean, Alice measures her energy in spoons, and mm. it was it really struck me in it in the in the book that you know something as simple as brushing her hair could use up two spoons one day and then the next day she can do something else a bit more strenuous she can get out of bed and, and you know shuffle to the door or something and it doesn't take as many spoons for her and it's uh, it's really interesting that sort of the way that the illness can change from day to day but also just trying to quantify it so you can explain it to people must be really hard yeah and that's what the, the kind of beauty of spoon theory because spoon theory is like the real theory that a lot of people um, with chronic illnesses like to use um, yeah. And it, uh, Christine Bizzarandino um, was the, the kind of creator of that, and it was her trying to explain, uh, I think it was Lupus, to her friends and saying, right, let's think about energy like this pot of spoons um, on the table, and you know, there's so many things with so many different energy. And it's such a useful way to try and talk about something that's very alien for able-bodied people to really think about, because you don't yeah. think about measuring your energy. You think, oh, I'm tired today. That's a very different thing to what it feels like to be fatigued um, and kind of measure your energy like that. So it's a really useful um, real life thing that I, I really wanted to put in the book. And hopefully it's a way for people who are reading it, who are, who are able-bodied to, to have those conversations with their friends um, or, you know, the people and, yeah, to try and see what it's like for them and um, to try and yeah, open that dialogue a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, throughout the book, I really, I was desperate for Alice to, you know, have a fantastic, happy ending to her, to her story. Um, but obviously, like, in my heart of hearts, I knew that wasn't going to be a recovery because that would be twee and not real and, and a bit insulting. Um, so I was wondering, like, you know, how you navigated that? Yeah, um, it was really important for me that it, it be realistic. And so a lot of... Uh, a lot of the kind of classic narratives and it's horrible the kind of Heidi-esque thing is yeah. that if you have a disability 
the only way you can be happy is to be cured of that disability. I yeah. think that's a really horrible, destructive narrative that needs to be changed. Um, I definitely did not want to feed into that with this book <laughs> at all. Um, I wanted to try and I'll be, I'll be a bit more realistic on that. Um, yeah. So without trying to name spoilers, <laughs> um, <laughs> I did, I, I, you know, I also had to think though from a, a writing perspective is that you have these narrative arcs and the idea is that your uh, character, we know all about this, but for people that might not know who are watching, the, the narrative arc is that, you know, your character is different by the end than they are from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, what, what does that look like mm. realistically? So yeah. I had a really good chat with my other half about that and kind of what that looks like. And I made sure that was uh, in the book. Yeah. Which we won't Without giving the spoilers away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's a tricky one, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it still was uh, was really moving. So uh, thank and, you. Uh, satisfying as well that she's, you know, it's about finding a sense of self, isn't it? And with like a lot of YA book or all the coming of age kind of books, it's it's about you know figuring out who you are. Yeah. That's kind of what I finding your time I write it, it always ends up being about figuring out who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know if we ever really, in real life, I don't think we ever really do figure yeah. it out. But in yeah. books, you know, need to have some ending. <laughs> yeah. You're a bit closer to the answer by the end, at least. You're not sort of. Yeah, well, I just hope so. Because in real life, it would just yeah. be like a tail off, and I, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a year later, you're like, oh, I'm bored of this, and do something else now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, also like another shout out for Alice's parents who are completely brilliant, fun characters and um, are very positive but not saintly and uh, I was just wondering if it was important to portray carers in a kind of real way to portray the stress they're under and the kind of, you know, the fact that they're human too and they have weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, the, the parents are really important for a number of different things. Um, Definitely from that perspective, from the, from the carer side, you know, trying to make them realistic and the kind of various pressures that they would feel, um, you know, as a carer myself, I understand. Um, but also from the kind of more literary diagnostic point of view, um, it's, it's really important that there, there be some kind of comic relief um, characters kind of coming in and mixing the action up a little bit. Um, yeah. And that's it's really important when you have a protagonist such as Alice who um who is chronically ill and bed bound and that's quite a heavy a heavy thing to, to sit with all the time so those characters are really important just like you know parents are in real life you know they, when you have um, a good set like I was very fortunate to have a good set of parents they they are the kind of comic relief it, most of the time actually in my yeah, life it's always comic relief for teens anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly right yeah so yeah i mean it's nice to to kind of it's nice to have nice parents in books occasionally yeah 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 i think they're saying that you know all par a lot of parents in ya are very flawed my parents are not my parents the parents i wrote about <laughs> I've obviously got this all. Very different. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I did actually have to take my mum and dad aside and, and say, this is not about you. This is not a book about you. It's a YA book. Parents have to make mistakes. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know whether I should have said it because it's like I was protesting too much and maybe they read it thinking it was me, it was me. <laughs> but I don't know if you thought that anyway. <laughs> no, no, well, I think there's, I think sometimes, especially non-writers um, who are family members of writers can sometimes freak out about that, that kind of thing, but what no, we promise not to. Yeah. <laughs> But really, this is fiction, it's fiction, like occasionally something creeps in, like someone will have the same favourite perfume or colour or something, but yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but that's not quite the same. Thank you. So you wrote your first book when you were 16, um, yeah. and that wasn't the book that you, that wasn't outside, um, so how, um, how did you manage to write a book when you were 16? That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, it was, um, all my friends just went on holiday, yeah, <laughs> I was just on my own, I was really bored, um, so it was over the summer I wrote it, and I used to have very vivid, very boy-heavy dreams, kind of, all like, about boys, and how I might meet boys, and yeah. basically I put them into a book, um, and wrote them up, and it's an awful book, like, really bad, but I think everyone starts out quite bad and then yeah. Um, yeah I mean it took me a good 12 years then to end up writing out fighting and getting an agent and getting a deal so yeah you know it's just lots of hard work and uh, yeah. lots of failure and perseverance and stuff and then eventually you yeah you get to books that actually are all right probably yeah. hopefully yeah I only have got as far, about as far as page 65 when I was writing as a teenager Oh really? Oh that's pretty yeah. good. And I was, I was obsessed with Regency romances so I just used to write Regency romances so I could have written Bridgerton but I didn't. <laughs> wow. it could have been you. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no so and then you know I just used to write stuff that was based on whatever genre I was into at the time. I think yeah. Well to figure out what sort of thing is you. Yeah yeah I, I think um, the only reason why I write I mean, I love YA fiction, um, definitely. But a big reason I write YA is because I started when I was a young adult myself. Um, and it's just kind of never grew out of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I grew into it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way. <laughs> I, um, I was wondering, how do you avoid kind of procrastination and, uh, you know, when you're when you're on a deadline and when you need to get stuff done and when your first draft has been tricksy, how do you kind of nail yourself to the desk? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is that I don't. I definitely do procrastinate still. Um, uh, a lot of it as well is that I just I don't have a lot of time anyway to do stuff. I, I mean, I work four days a week at um, Jericho Writers, and then I also just keep collecting jobs because I cannot say no to things so you know I, I had last year I had eight jobs I counted which is too many jobs yeah too many jobs um so I mean one of those is writer but it was also another stuff um but I do have a lot of volunteering as well it doesn't help things but um yeah so when I do get times it's it's weekends um and I have to do it and if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. So, yeah. But that means doesn't mean I moan a lot about that. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm so tired. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. I don't know what the quick fix is there. I think you just have to. So just moaning about it. Yeah. Is that what you do? Do you have a, a, a no, set? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm lucky at the moment uh, during the school term, because I've got small children during the school term, I'm lucky enough to be able to dedicate a lot of that time to writing. I also do freelancing as well. Yeah. Journalism, um, but uh, when I've got a deadline, I just kind of clear the schedule and 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 dare to say no to some some of those jobs that come my way and and concentrate mm-hmm. on the book instead. Um, so, but yeah, I I still find it really hard. I can still dick about on social media for hours. <laughs> yeah, but I think sometimes that can help. though, just gives you a little bit of a brain break, and sometimes that can just really help. Like. One like I, you can see here, I've got my writing shed, so I've got my whiteboards yeah. on the wall. I've got a whole wall of whiteboards, which was a dream. Um, and that's my kind of, I'm really stuck. I need to try and visually map it out. So I'm going to draw pretty pictures for a bit, kind of deal. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I just do trouble in notebooks, but uh, all of my problem solving is really un photogenic and ugly and like it just involves like making notes on my phone or um you know I do all my planning like on a word document and I do have a pin board but the kids have nicked it and at the moment this is their crime scene investigation oh that's cool the beast because the beast and here's all the footprints they've found oh that's like (laughs) that's CSI stuff that is great (laughs) Smart dog, 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 dog. But <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, really cool. It looks less visual and lovely when I do something. <laughs> yeah, that's probably reality, though. <laughs> There's one thing we need to do, um, which we, um, the challenge that we've been set as a part of the book chain project, is we need to figure out a question to ask your next interviewee um, mm, yeah. next week. So. Um, I'm just trying to have you had a think about what sort of things you're going to ask her? Yeah, so it's a uh, Sheila M. Aberbrook, and you know, I, I've been just like I've fallen down a hole actually with, with her book because it's such a page turner, like it really does keep you on the edge, it's like edge of the seat. So, I suppose my and you know, actually, with yours as well, I think you guys like with that pacing <laughs> thing are really good. So. I think it's like uh, my question would probably be like, how do you do that? How do you keep that pace and momentum? Like, how do you keep people turning the pages of your book? Um, that's probably my, my the, the biggest one I have at the moment. Oh, I think you seem to manage it yourself as well. <laughs> so I was still, I still sat up late trying to finish it. So, um, so yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, that would be a really interesting one to ask her. I think um, her book is centred around social media, am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, so because I'm, my next book's about social media, or it's, it's oh. about people, um, people who sort of, you know, um, bloggers and, uh, and people who share videos on, on a streaming platform um, and a bit of Moida thrown in. So um, I guess I'd like to ask her about um, kind of the research she's done into that and, and the sort yeah. of, um just and, and also like balancing it because um you know it's not it's not all evil 
um but some of it is just crazy it's just you know yeah our brains and and you know makes us twist the way we think about ourselves sometimes and so i just think it's interesting to play with that and wondering how she how much fun she had <laughs> doing yeah. that yeah, definitely. I think that actually I'm going to, I'm going to steal that as a question. So I'll have next oh, week. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So um, what's next for you? What's your plan from now on? Yeah, so um, I've got a couple of things on the go, actually. Um, uh, the next one is it's kind of looking at a, a third YA. Um, so thinking about what, what that might be, I'm kind of looking at uh, exploring fear as a, as a theme. Um, something that's very important to me as someone who's terrified of everything. Um, so, <laughs> and actually, what's really interesting now, I don't know whether you're finding this for your third book, but also thinking about how to bring COVID into a book and whether you ignore yeah. it or whether you bring it in. Yeah. Um, so, fear and COVID, you know, especially with someone who, you know, we live, I live with someone who's a um, CV um, and the kind of fear around that. And that's yeah. something that's not going to go away for us for years like oh my god like ah uh, so you know bringing some of that into a book i think is is really important especially for young people um I was say, yeah, a lot of young people have had such a rough year and a, a really hard time making yeah. sense of it and like you know just being pulled this way and that by peer pressure and fear and their parents fears and their own fears and yeah, yeah it's a really interesting thing to explore i to be honest, with my social media related book at the moment, there's so many crowd scenes in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that, that, that I just I couldn't see how to fit it in around lockdown. So mine is in a weird parallel yeah. universe at the moment. <laughs> yeah, or like pre COVID or post, very post COVID. Yeah. It's difficult it's to imagine what that's Yeah, I think a lot of people are wrestling with that now yeah <laughs> it's a big one <laughs> but anyway um it's been a brilliant pleasure having you and thank you so much for doing this again um i'm sorry that the original one was lost in the mists of uh of, of instagram but it was really nice to have an excuse to chat again and expand on some of the stuff we talked about um yeah. thank you very much have a brilliant um weekend and um hope to see you again soon yeah you too thank you so much thanks very much for um for your help anyway Bye. Are you looking for your next scary read? Why not try The Shadow Keepers by Marisa Noel? Shadow creatures have been hunting 16-year-old Georgia Boone from mirrors and other reflector surfaces for 10 years, but no one believes her. An incident lands Georgia in Brickwood Hospital, the UK's most prestigious mental health hospital, where she is forced to face her fear of mirrors and answer the question, are the shadows real or is it all in her head? Really, you know, kind of, we really need to know uh, Marvel or DC. <laughs> Anyone actually say DC in that scenario? Surely it's only uh, Marvel. Last week I said Marvel, but I really like Swamp Thing, which is DC. Oh, <laughs> 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 so, but I think nobody, I mean, you know, it might be some diehard Batman fans out there, but uh, yeah. Yeah, he's never been my one. I mean, I love the Joker um, when he legislated it. I thought that was great, but otherwise, yeah. it's like Guardians of the Galaxy, a bit of Thor, Ragnarok. It's just comedy, it's isn't it? It's great. <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I know. I um, Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse again, a no-brainer for me. Oh really? See, I would say neither. I think they're both boring. And what I really liked was the Animaniacs. Did you ever watch that? That was amazing. Oh my god, no! You've just put the song into my head for the next three days. <laughs> yeah, amazing. In, in my book, one of the people in the book, their current one of their nicknames is Animaniac, and uh, so oh. I've been like sitting there typing away with na, 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 in my head the whole time. <laughs> That's amazing. What, yeah. Who was yours? Uh, I, I prefer Bugs Bunny. I, I can't abide the mouse really. I like a lot of Disney films, but for some reason I've just never got Mickey. Yeah, that's why that is. Something annoying my voice. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I think that's really bad. I never really watched it either. No, no. no. Well, we didn't. I, I didn't think in this country. Like when I was as a kid and I used to go to Italy a lot. All of the kids over there. So the comics, you know, we had. I was reading. I was in the Beano or whatever. Um, and the comics over there, they had uh, Topolino, which was just a Mickey Mouse comic books, and they were huge. They were so popular. Um, and we just didn't have the same thing over here, really. We didn't have that. No, sport. we don't, no. This wasn't no, funny. We... <laughs> yeah, I used to watch like a lot of Looney Tunes as well, so. Mm. Uh, but yeah, just didn't really, wasn't really a thing. Hmm. Um, and uh, top writing tip. Oh, um, be prepared to fail is my nice go-to one. Um, failure is an inevitable part of writing. It happens all the time. Even after you get a publishing deal, you just fail, fail, fail until you win. Um, so that's my tip is just, if you fail, don't worry about it. It happens. It means you're a proper writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, sometimes I think I'm just going to keep throwing the spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> Eventually something yeah. is going to stick to the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you, you just got to be prepared to, to kind of throw it. Really? It takes a lot of time. There's, there's no quick fix to writing, whether or not that's the writing element or the publishing part. Yeah. It's all, um, yeah, it all takes a lot of time and energy and uh, failure and setbacks. And, but it, it all helps, you know, makes you a better writer. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone would think it wasn't fun. <laughs> it kind of is, it's but there's challenge. also a flip side. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably like that same kind of fun, not like running marathons fun, because when you know it's like yeah, fun. yeah. But when you get to the end, you're like, oh yeah, I could probably do that again. <laughs> well, no, no, maybe not the end. Maybe six months afterwards, you start thinking, mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I forgot how much it hurt me the first time. <laughs> um. So, um, what is your um? What would you choose as your spirit animal? A fox. A fox. Yeah. Um, I'm from Leicester. Leicester originally, and uh, we're a big football fan. Fans in my house. I mean, I'm not, but um, <laughs> my mum used to work at the football stadium, and my dad is a big football fan. And uh, they their mascot is Philbert Fox. So foxes. So it has to be. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing throughout my childhood, and I don't know. I, I just think they're really cool. Mm. So. But then again, my Patronus in Harry Potter was just like a cat, and I have a cat, so maybe it would maybe it would be a cat. But I'd like to say foxes are probably a bit cooler than cats. 
I said pig and squid last week, which is the weirdest animal I can think of, but it's very cute. Pig and squid. Google it, it's really cute. In a weird sort of way. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, uh, what three books would you take with you to a desert island? Oh, it's probably a really clever answer there, where it's like, oh, several books within a book, kind of the complete work for Shakespeare kind of thing. But I think yeah. actually, um, I mean, maybe the correct answer is to say my Kindle. <laughs> which is <not> <laughs> Dave was books. really strict with me last week. You know, I think I, I think I tried to get away with like the one volume Lord of the Rings and he was like, nope. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably go with um peter pan and wendy jay and barry i've read that a lot my favorite book mm. um a monster calls patrick ness um the pictures are amazing the story is even more amazing in here and um i suppose like the third one let's say your book i'm gonna go with oh. uh, the girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we need to start the fire with something <laughs> oh, no <laughs> no I quite like light books um, as well yeah. as dark books. And I try to merge the two together with the stuff I write, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's good to have pick down a genre. I just can't pick a genre that I like. And I find it really hard, yeah. you know, sharing my reads on Instagram and stuff because, like, one week it's like a saga and the next week it's, uh, it's you know, some kind of terrifying horror and then you know yeah, like, I think that's quite that. realistic though like I think yeah. we're all a bit like that aren't we like yeah. we, it just depends on our moods like there's not we can't just say I only ever read this although I do normally say I only read children's books stop <laughs> sending me the adult ones <laughs> but, um, yeah well I did I went through like a couple of months of reading nothing but YA and children's and then I thought and then I suddenly looked over at this big pile of, you know, grown-up books I'd still been buying the whole time. <laughs> Thought I'd better start reading those as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I find them really boring now for the most part. Other books, it's like oh, get to the action. Like, yeah, I have to say they, it's a lot slower. You can get you burn through quite a few YA books in in the space of a month, whereas adult books, you're like, oh, I forgot that. You know, the murder has doesn't happen till page 150. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it's interesting you just sort of your ment your your mind just reshapes what you're expecting of the plot when you read when you read all of one kind of uh, or ya or all adult yeah yeah it's a funny one but uh, i sort of do you because i had a writer friend of mine used to or my ex-editor sam baker used to avoid reading certain writers when she was writing because she used to pick up their style I don't know if that's ever happened to you, where you sort of read a writer and it's and you end up writing in their in their kind of style. Yeah, it's actually it happens with me for um, just like people as well. I'm quite a voice writer. Apparently, I write I write voice, um, mm. so I will just pick up random voices. Really, is that really you know that really um, awkward thing where you're speaking to someone with a really strong accent and you start doing the accent back to them? Yeah. <laughs> That is just what I do, but like yeah. if someone's speaking to me a lot with like a Geordie accent, I will write a Geordie accent. Like outside <laughs> kind of came about a little bit like that with the Southern American kind of style thing that I've got going yeah. on there. And I can't do that accent. I, mean, I can do it in my head, I know it, but like yeah. I cannot, I cannot do it 
So some of yeah, us can so you can write it. American, but you just can't read it out at uh, at um, school visits or anything like that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just come out northern. <laughs> I didn't think that one through. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Well, anyway, I think that's all of the uh, all of the green room questions oh, cool. done now. So, unless there's anything else you'd like to add, um, but I'll be looking forward to watching next week and seeing um, and seeing the next instalment. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, interviewing Sheila. Actually, I think it would be. I'm really looking forward to, to kind of hearing about her whole world that she's developed and stuff. Yeah, because like so. I really, be I've, I've heard about the book and I really, really like the sound of it. Um, haven't yeah. read it yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out more. <laughs> Quite the page turner. <laughs> Brilliant. Girl. Okay, well, have Thank a lovely so week in the meantime and I look forward to relaxing and, uh, and watching you ask the questions next week. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, you can chill now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Hi, I hope you really enjoyed the interview. Next week, Sarah will be interviewing Sheila Averbuck, author of Friendly, and they'll talk about virtual reality and technology and stories that thrill. So I hope you join us then. Bye for now. Oh, oh, oh.